You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to another episode of the Magna Method Podcast. Today's guest is Justin Farina, aka the Garage Athlete, who is a high school phys ed teacher by day and rowing extraordinaire by night, or early morning, or whenever he can find time to get it in, outside of being a full-time teacher, a husband to a beautiful wife, and a father to three wonderful kids. Today, Mark and Justin discuss all things rowing, some of the common battles they share, some of the common mistakes, and just some of the great things that they've experienced growing in the rowing community. If you're a rowing enthusiast or even just a fitness enthusiast, you'll love what Mark and Justin share on today's episode. So Justin, um, I see you online and uh, it's an honor to have the show, uh, have you on the show. You're a huge presence in the rowing and ski community and now biker. And, you know, you touch a lot of people, but I want to hear a little bit about you and your start in this because, you know, you, you have a heavy influence on this uh, community and I don't know any of the backstory. It, um, it sort of just kind of happened. I don't even remember, um, when it got, I didn't even consider it like right now. I know you, you say that and we talk a lot online and. Um, I still feel like I'm just kind of an ordinary guy in my garage half the time, but, um, I do communicate with a lot of people and, and it's definitely grown to, you know, a pretty cool following. Um, it started a few years ago. Like I was never, a an endurance athlete. I, uh, never considered myself an endurance athlete. I never thought I'd become an endurance athlete. Um, I was in the CrossFit for a number of years, kind of founded in 2005 um, after college, and it was sort of fitting the bill that was missing after playing uh, D1 baseball, mm-hmm. just that sort of daily grind and intensity and the competitiveness of, you know, leaderboards and whatnot, and it was something you could do in a group environment um, that was fun and rewarding, and every day was a challenge, and um, that really, you know, that, that style of training really, really spoke to me. And uh, in 2000, like fast forward to 2015, I'd been training in my garage for years. Um, found like I needed something to sort of improve my cardio or my engine or whatnot. And Cam Nickel launched, this is the summer Cam Nickel launched uh, Rowing Watt. I don't know if you've seen his website or his stuff. Right. I've seen that. Um, yeah. So he, he launched in 2015. Um, I think, I think I saw like a, a post of Sarah Sigmund's daughter and she might've been doing some stuff with him. And I was like, well, if she's doing this, I should check this out. He had a, it was like a free, um, free training trial or whatever. It lasted about a year where he was just putting out, you know, two, I think it was two or three workouts a week. Um, just focused on the rower. And I loved, I enjoyed rowing. I, I had, I had a rower, you know, since I had a garage gym. 
something I did okay in in workouts, but never focused on it. Like I have vivid memories of me trying to sit down for like a 10K <laughs> on a random afternoon and handling down like three or four times, <laughs> taking about 50 minutes to get through it. Um, it, it hurt my butt. You know, I, I had to stand up all the time. This was a while ago. Um, but when, when Cam had this program and I started seeing him talk about uh, pacing and splits and learning how to, you know, control your effort and whatnot, this was really kind of an enjoyable concept. This is something tangible, something that I could uh, sort of wrap my head around and focus on, especially once I started doing the, uh, the workouts and getting into the data of it and the numbers of it and the rhythm of it. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I really liked what he was saying. I liked what I was learning, you know, as a coach, um, being able to to show people like, hey, this is not just something we do 15 calories on, you know, as fast as we can before burpees. You know, this is a tool we can use to, you know, improve how we how we breathe and how we move and how we move through workouts. Right. Um, you know, the one thing lacking with running is knowing how to kind of control your pace. I feel like it's the kind of thing you got to do a lot to know how fast you're going. Um, but without numbers, without that feedback, running can be a drag. 100%. I haven't done it with a Garmin watch or anything, so I, I, I'm assuming it would be a little bit better if you kind of knew your splits as you were going, like on track work. Um. But yeah, so that that's that really you know piqued my interest with with rowing. All of a sudden, it had purpose to me. It had way more meaning. Every session did, and really quickly, um, I got pretty good at it. Um, I found myself, you know, posting. I guess this was kind of early Instagram life for me too. Um, I was seeing people posting times and. And then you sort of discover this. I know you've spoken about kind of discovering this whole sort of online community of, of indoor rowers. That, that's the crazy part. Before I got on a rower, I, I was I didn't even know it existed. And and, no. and then I'm, I opened my eyes. I'm like, I'm getting people. I'm crossing paths and connecting with people from all over the world, the UK, Australia, yourself in Canada, that I didn't even know existed. And it's a huge community. I, I, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's, it's it seems to be it feels like it's growing. Right. I feel like there's there's more of a connection, especially to the on the water group. Um, I find myself following more, you know, on the water athletes these days because I feel like they might be seeing a, a bigger presence in indoor rowing, and um, you know, whenever whenever I see screens of Olympians. And like pros, <laughs> yeah. blows my mind. Oh I my just can't. God. I can't even believe. It. I can't even. Talk, like, because we know how it feels. We know how how incredible that is. Like, we can relate to it. But you're right. Like, it's a it's a big it's a big presence online. It, it's crazy. And, and and to speak to what you said, when we see some of the times of, you know, the uh, some of the best rowers in the world, or maybe the some of the best rowers that ever lived. Mm-hmm. I saw Eric Murray. It's Eric Murray, correct? Yep. Kiwi. He did a half marathon, and he held a 136 split. Yeah, that's stupid. And his heart rate, 
He started off at 187, and he finished at 199, but he was pretty much in the low 190s. And I was thinking, that's a lifetime of cardiovascular training and conditioning. Like, I I couldn't even fathom that. I might touch that into 200, and I'm thinking that was rough. He did it for over over an hour. How does that happen? I I see 180, and I panic. Exactly. (laughs) I hit 180 one time, and I, and I, I panicked pretty much. Yeah, heart rate can be scary. I'm like, yeah, no, I've seen and I've seen that. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a YouTube clip of that too because he's with uh, his his ex partner, right? Uh, Hammock, I think is his name. They're both they're both just monsters on those things. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch because we know right. you can relate. But we know how hard 136 pace is for 2,000 meters, let alone you know an hour and 15 minutes yeah. almost, or an hour and nine, whatever it was. It's hard. pretty remarkable. It is remarkable. Yeah, it's sure. crazy. So I'm um, sorry. Yeah, so I uh, I start sort of hearing from people. People start, you know, commenting and saying, "Wow, you got some really good numbers. Have you rode before?" I'm like, "Absolutely not. I've been on the indoor roar for like two or three months. You know, just really getting into it." And um, was invited to um, Fitness Matters, their online team, to compete in the the CTC, that cross team challenge. Mm-hmm. Which I did. Okay, there's this there's this whole leaderboard, there's this whole thing every month where where people compete and, and post scores and whatnot. And that was that was neat. That was cool, and that really opened me up to a lot of different coaches in the realm. You know, I, my only exposure to a to a coach online doing this stuff was was Cam, and then um, through Fitness Matters discovered uh, Sam Blythe, um, and he really built on a lot of the things I had learned from Cam. I feel like I kind of just expanded on that, um, kind of under him, and through that whole thing, I discovered athletes like Graham Benton. Um, who you know I've always looked kind of looked up to because he's you know he's in his mid 40s he's still he's a 542k guy like he's crazy um, and I'm pretty sure he didn't have a water background pretty sure he he sort of got on an erg and pulled like a low six his first time was like hey this is fun <laughs> something crazy so um, and I I can't remember I guess it was a little while. This is probably so. 2015 got into got more into it in 2016, and then um, Road Royalty. I started seeing advertisements for that. Kind of ended 2016 because it happened in January 2017, and I feel like that was probably um, a big point where I finished third. I found you know more contacts in the kind of the online community. Um, and I launched the the website and the online coaching stuff. Um, I guess that spring, so it'll be coming uh, coming up on two years when I started coaching and really kind of diving into it. And mm-hmm. that that sort of came out of um, almost like a hobby, you know. Having kids is hard and time-consuming, and I'm I'm a high school teacher first. Um, but I was I was training people in CrossFit, um, 
just kind of on the side and I had you know a group of people I'd work with um, in my garage for a number of years never really grew into to anything big that's a whole other story we tried it once but it might come up later um, but as we had our third child the time to, to devote to a group just wasn't there. So I kind of had a little bit of time and a, and a bug for coaching, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of newfound interest in indoor rowing and definitely found like I had learned a lot from, from other people. And I've always had a uh, interest in the programming side of things and, you know, studying from others and whatnot. And wanted to sort of to fill that void or fill that gap, and uh, decided to start working with just some people um, locally. There's about four or five people with an, you know with some online training, and a few of them would come here when when I had time. I think that was six people, uh, and then the, the website came kind of on a whim because I felt like I needed something solid to potentially grow off of, grow from. It wasn't just good enough. You know, emailing these guys. So you just put it together on your own. You just decided to put together a website and then start a group. Yeah, Squarespace is huge, um, super easy to do. Uh, I had to sort of convince my wife that spending three or four hundred dollars for a web domain and a site made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't super convinced. Like, how many people are going to do this? You're not going to find that many people, right? You know. And then, if, you know, a few months later, she saw that. Okay, six became twenty, and twenty became you know whatever. And, um, she's been very supportive, and obviously sees it as an, an important part of my life. But yeah, early on, I was even I was kind of skeptical. Um, I was still fairly new to it. You know, I had been coaching fitness since probably '08, um, but definitely new to this realm. You know, and, and I still feel like I'm learning. You know, every week from people. Um, especially as it grows and more people come in, you know, you get exposure to different philosophies and, you know, trying to put things together into something that makes sense to a wide variety of people, um, you know, is what I'm still trying to do. So, yeah, so that, that was really the origin of it. I mean, it's incredible to where it's grown now. I mean, I see, you know, uh, I know, um, through Rob Carson, uh, you know, I, I, I found you online, and and, and Rob's, uh, I know, a big, um, you know, not I wouldn't say fan, but he, he's a coach, you're a coach, and, and you guys, I don't know if you, are you aware of the influence that you have? And I say the same thing to him, but are you aware of the influence that you have over, you know, the entire rowing, you know, it's Concept 2 community? And by the way, is the Concept 2 thing just, are you an ambassador now? You must be. Not officially. <laughs> That's uh, uh unofficially. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I'm a huge fan of their stuff obviously and and you know, not intentionally promote their product, but obviously believe in it and promote it mm-hmm. through what I do. But no, yeah, Rob even too. Like, um he's he's growing. Um, which is great. I told him months back, like, dude, you need to start your own thing, like officially. You gotta yeah. I feel like he was he was kind of in the background and would kind of grab onto people. I know he was working um, for Dark Horse for a little bit. Again, they've, they've seemed to have maybe started to grow even more. Um, 
but yeah, Rob carving out his his own little niche in those little, his own little group, I think is great because you know, here's another guy that I only just kind of like you, like I only know online. I haven't had a chance to, to to meet with him or chat with him really, but he's someone I you know admire and continue to chat with um, during the week. But yeah, he's he's done a great job of, of building his his profile and his program and, and getting some some really talented uh, rowers in his in his stable. Yeah, I mean, you're. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't. It's not necessary to ask you how many people you have, but when I look at like the support group and the Facebook check or the Facebook group, I mean, you have people from all over the world. Have you met a lot of these people? I'm imagining that most of these people you've only have a relationship or connection with online. Is that correct? Only, yeah. I'm in no position to travel right. at this point in my life. Right. Um, I'm in no position to, um, you know, get around to, to meet with anyone. There's, I think. In the group, there's still two or three original sort of locals um, that I know on a personal level. Okay. But everybody else just sort of, you know, grew online. There's a big presence in the UK. There's a presence in Australia. Um, there's a, a whole bunch throughout Europe, obviously a, a ton through the States. Um, I think only one or two don't speak English. There's a couple that I think I need a translator. Oh, you yeah. guys, you know, kind of help out. So let's. Yeah, I feel like Canada. Canada might be underrepresented, to be honest. There's maybe I, a handful. I think it Canadian. is. I think it is. I'm. I'm. I'm feeling like the <laughs> rowing community in Canada isn't as large as you would think. Is that correct? Um, I haven't. I haven't gone to the Canadian indoors yet, either. That was kind of been on my list since uh 2017 but between an unruly third child and and just life in general it's been tough to get to that that february meet but mm-hmm. um yeah i, I maybe relative to the states because i feel like it's growing it's obviously big in europe um i was never really exposed to rowing as a sport growing up um, I knew of it watching it on the Olympics. I never really thought anything of it until I like I went to school in the U.S. I went to university in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and um, I, they, Miami University in Ohio had a crew team. Pretty sure. I don't know if they had men's and women's, uh, but I remember seeing rowers under the stadium of uh, you know the old hall where we we practiced. Right, and I think some of the yeah, for the crew team or whatever, but I didn't really pay much attention. Um, but it, yeah, and then getting involved in this, Canada's got a strong rowing program at the national level. That much I know. There's some terrific world class rowers. Um, I know they've done well on the world stage, on the Olympic stage. I don't know if the indoor scene is as is as popular. It could just be a um, a population issue. I don't know. Hmm. Or it's relatively new still. But yeah, you're probably right. Like when, when you think of people you've met or know, I don't know how many Canadians there are. I see. I'm t- I mean, I think you, I'm pretty sure you lead the way with Canadians. I think so. I mean, I know there's the, the elite, elite, elite pro level, but I mean, 
for the rowing community that I see, I think I'm pretty sure you lead the way. For our little amateur crew yeah. online, yeah. Some of, yeah, some of, some of those, I don't know if you're amateurs, but, I mean, you guys can, uh, as uh, Christine Cavallo says, rip some chain. I mean, it's pretty serious. I'm impressed by it. I'm, I'm just impressed because when you, what you said before and you see all these times, um, I just can't fathom, like, what that feels like. And I think there's... I don't. I gotta be careful what I say because I'm not a big fan of chalking things up to genetics. I think a lot of it's hard work and suffering. I really believe that. Sure. I do believe that. Um, but. And I, yeah. And I. Uh, Go ahead, I'll please. I've been talking to my wife about this. I always wonder if they feel what we might feel in a like in a hard 5K. Right. Let's say. Right. You know. You know what a max effort 5K feels like. You know what, how your body's responding. And how you perceive that, you know. Mm-hmm. But what does do they feel that at their paces, or do they feel worse but can tolerate it more? That's what I'm thinking. I I wish I could get into the body of, you know, someone who can pull even 136 for a, you know 30 minute piece. Mm-hmm. What is that like? Does that feel like 145 to us for 30 minutes, or are they experiencing? you know, pain and suffering at a level that we just can't comprehend. Or is it easy for them? I don't know. Right. And and I'm thinking that they obviously have this increased, you know, base of conditioning. But they, as you said, I believe, I mean, my guess, of course I'm guessing, it's tolerance. And they have such a high tolerance for torture and pain. And it takes years to get to that, to kind of manage the pain, so to speak. Absolutely. I, I think that um, because some of the things I'm seeing, and, and often I'll look at a guy online and I'll say, by the way, how tall are you? And he'll go 6'6". Six, six. And I'm 6'6". Six, six. Like, I think that matters and that plays into that's. I think it has to matter because that's the exact reason we have the tall and short division, right? Absolutely. So that... No, Good. There's always going to be physical strengths or limitations in anything like look at look at sports look at pro hey, pick chicken or pick a pro sport you know you could look at basketball if you were just a recruiter let's say actually that's probably a really good example if you're a college recruiter in in basketball and you had you know two or three players with similar skill sets you might decide to go with someone who physically might be oh he's three inches taller He's got a you know six inch longer wingspan that might play into your um, your thought process, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So obviously, in rowing, I'm sure when they recruit kids to college programs, they're looking for physical attributes that, because like you said, hard work goes a long way. Oh yeah. So if you can take a kid who's six six and teach him how to how to move well and how to row. Assuming he's got a strong work ethic. Right. Has to have that. You know, can we then convert this kid into, you know, a talented, you know, individual on the rower and on the water or whatever? Mm-hmm. So I'm but, sure that's the issue with uh, with a lot of sports. I mean, I see, it, I see it all the time. Um, you know, when you see someone walking around who's super strong, super athletic, and you hear they played Division Two or Three football, and they often say, "I didn't get a chance because I played Division Two or Three. 
and I have a list in my head of guys who played Division two and three football who were free agents who played many years in the NFL. Because if you're a talented athlete and that talent meets a driven focus and hard work, you can get to a very high level. You really can. Yep. And it's usually, you know, it's, I'm stating the obvious, but an individual will never admit it, but there's some flaw there. And that flaw could be not understanding team, not understanding unit, not understanding responsibility within a defense or an offense, whatever it may be. There is some sort of athletic, and usually not athletic, because there's a lot of parity when you play college football. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about not Division One A to Division Three, but if you're a Division One athlete, there's a lot of parity. It's usually a psychological, behavioral flaw that keeps them out, usually. That's um, interesting. Yeah, and I've seen it. I've seen some of the best athletes. I've seen athletes, a safety 6'3", 220, who runs a 4'4", and he has no idea where he's going. He doesn't know the defense. He's always out of position. He's always one step behind. He's always a little late on the ball. It happens all the time. It's just it, that's a behavioral or a psychological, uh, psychological thing. It's where their head's at. They don't have the ability to focus for extended periods of time. Um, do you think – Go ahead, please. Do you think – obviously, you went through a recruiting phase – coming out of high school well right? I'll, I'll tell you this i did go through a recruiting phase but i was only offered one scholarship so i didn't have to like you know weigh it out i mean I, whoever gave me a scholarship i was going and one guy took a shot on me and i'm going to be completely honest and i'm not even trying to be humble i wasn't very good in high school that's the truth being very honest but a guy saw me working hard and he saw my work ethic and he took a chance on me so did he see you in a game and he come by practice he saw me in a game we were playing against another team and he was actually there uh, to see me but he thought it was worth the trip because the team we were playing against was very, stacked up with great players and they had a great running back so in one play in the game um, I stepped the wrong way at middle linebacker in the sweep the toss went the other way the ball went the other way and I fell down but I got back up and I ran like 40 yards downfield and caught a kid from behind. And he liked the fact that I didn't give up on the play. So I wasn't like stellar making plays all over the field, but I refused to give up. And there was, at the time, a lot of kids work hard, but he said he didn't see that. And that play pretty much earned, I mean, it was a lot of things, but after seeing that play, he offered me a scholarship. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, when did when did college become a like a tangible goal for you? Because if you didn't think you were yeah, it, it really. I, I mean, my, like was it later in your co- in your high school career, like when you were closer well, to being like a senior? I, or? Yeah, I always wanted to play. My dream was to play in the NFL, but I believe it or not, a bigger dream was to play college football because I like fantasized about being a college football player. And even before that, I fantasized about being respected for being an athlete because I wasn't an athlete. And um, I used to plaster my bedroom wall with pictures of athletes. And I knew that a linebacker in college was six foot two, 230 pounds. And for me to play linebacker, I needed to be six foot two, 230 pounds. And when I got to college, the first day, they told me, 
you're going to be a defensive lineman. And I was completely undersized, and I played nose guard and three technique, which is nose guard and defensive tackle, as an undersized guy for four years. So it was a, it was pretty much a, a street fight every play, which was pretty interesting. But you know, you you I know that a lot of it's hard work. And when I watch what you do, a lot of it's hard work. I see you do something in the morning. And you're like, yeah, I just got a quick 40 minute skier again. I'm thinking this guy's married. He has three kids, and he's doing two sessions a day. I want to know how that happens. I miss my my early morning stuff. This third child made it really difficult. Um, the, the morning, the training in general is, I think, more than anything, a mental break for me. It is, um, it's become something I just sort of need, it's, you know, it's almost meditative. Oh, a million percent. Maybe not the sprint intervals, but I mean, yeah, just yeah. those, those longer, like I love those really steady 30 minute sessions where you can just sit in and go and it's it's rhythmic it's repetitive you get the right playlist on and um it's it's really nice to sort of empty the brain for a little bit yeah but no it it i don't i don't know when two days you know two days probably came when i got a skier and i didn't i couldn't like bring myself to split time you know right right um if i skied in the morning i was like well i can't wait till tomorrow to row i need to row tonight you know so trying to find time um during you know breaks if 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 during nap like right now it's nap time like our little ones snoozing the older two boys are upstairs just hanging out or playing this is usually when i'd get in and, and get something done um and then once everyone's in bed, I might go on and, and get a session in or whatnot. Oh, really? But the mornings were, I, uh, I try and, I don't want my <clears throat> hobby to interfere with my, my family time. That's hard. How do you so do that? And, because I know, like, it, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I know that I'm assuming, I know me, when I get a great rowing session in or a ski session, it sounds funny, but it is what it is. I'm a better person. Like I feel better. Oh yeah, for sure. So how do you how do you balance Maybe it's that? Endorphin. I don't know. Yeah, because but how do I balance? Yeah, because you know that if you get it in, you're gonna be a better dad and a better husband and a better family man. But you're not gonna you you'll sacrifice that for family time. And I I, I know I'm stating like, hey, Mark, it's a no-brainer. Family comes first. I know that. But to be better for your family, you got to do certain things as an individual. Yeah. So I'm I'm fortunate because I have a great wife who stays home to raise our family. Mm -hmm. She's a stay-at-home mom, um, and that is a, a huge task and responsibility for her. I have to get up and leave during the week, you know, to teach. Um, I obviously have you're, the wait, responsibility. Wait, you're a teacher during, during the day? Yeah, I'm a high school phys ed teacher. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. Yep. That's a, that's another that's incredible it. stat. Kudos for that. That's, yeah. that's not an easy job. job. Yeah, all this stuff is all this other stuff's like hobby time. As much as I'd love to to go at it full go at this at this point in my life, um, I only have so much time, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to sacrifice training to uh, improve upon the coaching stuff. It, it works so far. Mm. Um, where was I? So um, early morning training um, is night. Everyone's asleep. So before we had our baby, our third one, I was totally fine getting up at you know four four thirty, having some coffee, checking up on you know usually whatever you know what's new in sports. You go on ESPN.com and get caught up, and then get out and get my training session in, make breakfast. Um, by that time, kids are waking up. The house is starting to kind of wake up, and and I'm off to work about seven thirty during the week. Uh, so it was, it was it was nice to kind of have my own time right. to do that, apart from everybody else, because I don't want to like have people expect me to be busy for my own sake during the day when I could be, you know, doing something for the for the family around the house or, or playing with the kids or taking them somewhere or you know, picking up groceries or whatnot. I shouldn't have to. I'm already busy enough. I shouldn't have to take more time away from from those responsibilities and those things for myself. So I've always tried to do my own thing when it's least intrusive to the rest of the house. Does that make sense? Yeah. So nap times are great. You know, if if Lauren is is with uh, our youngest River for an hour or two, you know, he's trying to sleep and she's trying to, you know, keep him asleep. That's easy for me to go into the garage for 45 minutes to an hour and, and get a session in. Right. You know, the other two boys are, are usually trying to be quiet. Um, late at night's another one. Once everyone's sort of winding down, I can get out and do something. Early mornings would be ideal. It's just tough with this this third one. But, you, that's, so, but that's been my schedule. And, and men, you know, you're right. Like, there's days where I have to wait all day until like 9 p.m. I can finally, you know, go row or go ski or go lift or whatever. And those days, I, I feel like you're right. You're a better person when you get that training in. It's It can be hard mentally. I feel like I'm uh, a little bit more irritable, I'm a little bit shorter with the kids. Mm. Um, I am start to get impatient. I, you know, I, I try and avoid that as much as possible. And I always do feel better when I can get stuff done uh, earlier in the day because I know that workout's done and I can I can you know go off and do everything else that I had had planned or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harmony got to got to wait all day. That's for sure. Oh, it's hard. That's very hard. I start to resent. You're an early, you're an early trainer though. Oh like, yeah. You get up. Oh, I get up real early, man. And it, Is that mostly because of of the gym? Like you like to get that out of the way, so you because you have a lot of responsibilities during the day. Yeah, and um, you know I have I have an incredible group around me, an incredible team at Anatomy, and a couple things. I want to experience the day with them. I want to be, you know, I actually enjoy doing sessions alongside of them and uh, seeing them the the bright light they bring to people each and every day I like that and I know that the day is going to be a bit chaotic now we have three facilities so and more in the making so it's not realistic like today I might have like an hour I know I might have an hour so I might do something else and I want to ask you a question about that extra time um sure. but but I, I like getting 
I like Mark's time in the morning and it sounds selfish, but if I don't have like an hour to myself, like I go and we have a back room, we call it the hit room, but I, we renamed it the pain cave. I go in that room. I have my water. I have that screen, the concept two screen. I'm listening to something that's uh, motivating, whatever it may be. And I just go into this special time that it really, really helps me. It's my version of yoga, as you said, very similar. Um, but I notice you do a lot of. Go ahead, Justin. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like, there's something very hypnotic about that screen. Oh my goodness! <laughs> during, during a session. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I, I noticed that. Do how often do you lift weights? What's your resistance training like? Because I, I feel like you're gonna do the skier and the concept to the rower, but you're not gonna actually. You'll do that and miss out on the weights as opposed to the, uh, the. Uh, the alter, uh, you know, the just lifting weights. Is that correct? I, I know I should probably do it more often. Um, I I've gone through times where, you know, I've, I've wanted to to squat or you know even maybe do a, a CrossFit workout, and then I'm just so sore, <laughs> and I hate when. Um, doing the strength work or the like the gpp stuff Mm -hmm. makes my my erg sessions worse (laughs) so i always find myself if i have time i want to get the stuff i value more in Mm -hmm. so those erg sessions and if i have a chance i'll you know i'll do some front squats or i'll put a little you know body weight circuit together because it doesn't take long Mm-hmm. You know, you can do a ton in 10 to 20 minutes. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this, I don't know if it's a motivational thing, where I just don't feel as motivated to spend my time doing that stuff, but I try to. And especially now, like, I consider this the off-season now. I find, you know, the, the season for for us starts, um, especially if you use the skier too, with those November sprints, mm-hmm. that 1K in November, Oof. I feel like that's the first major online race. And then after that, it's really training for, for road royalty, which fills up January. And then the Tour de Skier that Concept2 puts on, which isn't even an official competition, right? Right. That's just a, that's just a monthly challenge they have for February. It's the community that puts value in it. And maybe it's just me and like six other people that look at the leaderboard as an actual leaderboard when it's just an honor board. Right. And they don't even have numbers. Um, That's fun, by the way. That was a lot of fun. I mean, I was nowhere near you, the, you know, the elite guys like yourself. But uh, dude, you hold your own. You've been you've been steadily getting better in these leaderboards every year. It was fun watching you guys. Very aware of your presence on that thing. I appreciate it. Um, but no, it is. It's and it's it's unique because it's it's the same every year right mm-hmm. same four distances each week that's not going to change um so it's a really good it's great for feedback year to year mm-hmm. to just kind of see how you're doing um but it is it's a, it's a really it's a fun competition even though we just we make it a competition ourselves oh yeah after that like we just had the 1k um sprints on the rower this past weekend and that's really kind of like the last big race 
of the year. So there's that 1K in November on the ski and then the 1K on the rower in March. Um, and then obviously if people are going to uh, the Indoor World Championships or if there's you know country championships along the way, December, January, February are when those typically happen. So this is kind of like the racing season sort of ended in my mind. So this off-season now until the fall, um, I'm totally fine, you know, getting another workout in, squatting, you know, doing kettlebell swings and skier, you know, calories. I'm totally fine with that because in my mind at, at this point, it's more about enjoyment. I'm not chasing splits as much. I'm not worried too much about if I'm sore for, you know, doing uh, a 30-minute row, I'm okay with that. Like mentally, I can not going to bother me if my splits are slow mm-hmm. um, whereas if we're getting into race season um, you might be bothered by a bad session where you know where one let's say 145 pace usually feels effortless all of a sudden feels like a struggle that might sit funny with you for the rest of the day right why was it so hard why was my heart rate you know 20 beats higher than it should be um because as as great as this tool is mentally and, and in terms of just exercise and training and, and that feel-good um, component, it can be stressful. The leaderboards really stress you out. I think my most stressful time of the year is, is, uh, is January and February. Yeah. I am relieved now that we're past those, those competitions. Well, I'm glad you're talking about this because I wanted to uh, get into your mindset when you approach your 2K because I know that's a fun time for everyone. <laughs> it is a fun time. How do I, I avoid them for the most part? <laughs> I mean, it gets very, um, it's very heady. I don't think people under, I mean, you, a lot of people don't understand what that represents. I mean, it's a, and some people say, I, I'll tell you something really quick. Um, Sam Locke, you know Sam Locke. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I put my times up there and uh, he said one day he, he messaged me and he said, oh, you gave up. And I said, what do you mean I gave up? I said, I finished. He goes, yeah, but you decided not to push. I said, how do you know? He goes, because you pulled a 621. Then the next time you did it, you pulled like a 626 or 8. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you made a decision not to push because the pain was too much. And it, I resented him saying that, but he was absolutely right. Man, if he said that to me, he'd be like, right, sir, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just didn't have that day. I was like, man, I, but, I mean, this is the same guy that pulled a 559, 20 strokes a minute. So, yeah, he's so crazy. Um, I, I miss seeing his, uh, his rowing feet. Oh. I know he's into powerlifting and whatnot, and he moved to the States, but anyways. Yeah. Sorry. So what's your mindset like when you go into that 2K? Um, early on when I was really new to it, it wasn't a big deal. Um, I think the reason the 2K holds so much weight with us is because we pace off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that time really dictates all the other training we do. So there's a ton of, like, value outside just that time to every other day. Like, one thing I love to, to tell people in the group you need to earn your splits 
and that's not going to happen very often. Like we don't, you don't test the 2K all the time. No. Some people do. I I wouldn't be able to manage that. <laughs> if I'm doing a 2K like every two weeks, I don't know if I could handle that. But maybe I should. Maybe it would be easier that way. I don't know. Um, I I try and look at it like a training session. It's only we do so many meters. Like it's only two thousand. Right. Not that long. Right. We do much longer sets than six or seven minutes. Um, the the trick with that, and I, it's, it's true on a lot of different pieces, but the 2K is particularly. I always want to feel in control at halfway. Like mm. if I can get to a thousand meters and still feel like I have my composure. I might, my legs might be screaming at me. My lungs might be burning right at the point. But if I feel like I'm still in control of my effort, then I'm going to put a, put up a good score. Right. But that, that 1000 meter. And I think for a lot of people that might be the, the handle down point. Cause you know, you're halfway. Right. But if, it, if you're, if you're really struggling at half, do you want to keep going? Like, oh. That's the, the mental battle that you, you, you know, we, we kind of have that fight all the time, that inner dialogue, you know, um, which is probably why doing it more often might make it easier to manage that. Yeah, I but think so. When I, when I rode my 559, I remember feeling at halfway that I was still okay. I was tired. And I could definitely feel the pace, but I knew it was close. You know what I mean? Right. I knew it was there, and I knew on that day, if I'm going to get it, if I'm going to get that sub six, it's going to happen now. Right. Um, because I've had other instances where 600 meters in, I'm like, absolutely not. I don't even <laughs> want to be here anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to put the handle down. Oh, man. Whatever. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, head, it's a head case. And there's harder, I think there's harder rows, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think, a, like, a max effort 30 minute is brutal. Those are like hard. Ugh. Is, is awful, yeah. I'd much rather row 2K than 30 minutes, like, for a test. Just because it's over so quick, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, thir that's a long time to, to push. be uncomfortable. Ugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, okay, let's let's think about something we've both done in terms of comfort because <laughs> you had to do it twice because oh. you didn't know how to program a monitor oh. uh, when we did the the half marathon oh for goodness. road royalty two years ago and we had that 2k at the start how did you feel about it like when you saw that event get posted you know do you remember yeah of course i remember thinking the 2k is going to be the easy part <laughs> right I said, I can bust that out, and that was fun. And then I just dragged my body through the rest of it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And you did it twice. Oh, man. You know, even worse was when you sent me a message and you said, I don't know how to tell you this, but that's incorrect. You're going to have to do it again. Because <laughs> you, did, you did 2000 and then the half marathon. Right, right. right. You didn't do 2000 Minus. then the, rest, the additional 19097. Oh. oh. <laughs> I, you did more work. Yeah, that was my early days in it. I had no I really didn't know how to program the monitor. I didn't. 
So, man, that was rough, man. I, it, oh, man, it, I, felt so, I felt so bad for you because <laughs> I know how long I laid on the floor after that. Oh, I was demoralized. I said, "I'm first of all, I, I got to do this right away because I'm I'm not going to do it if I let it linger." It was awful. Well, because we only have so many days. Right. I feel like you did it like not even. Did you do the next day? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. just have a level of resiliency I don't get. Oof. That's so so impressive. Oh man. And you did well. Didn't you do better the second time? I think I did better in the in the in the remainder, right? In the longer piece, I did better. Just not on the front. Yeah, the front, the front end, I, I got hammered. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. That's funny, like, because I I'm, I was the exact same way. I didn't mind the two thousand. I know. Okay, I could pace this and probably do well. Like, even maybe even win this part of the event. I knew I would not win the half marathon. It just wasn't going to happen. I don't. I don't like the the super long distance stuff, mm-hmm. and that's not even super long distance for a lot of people. That's you know their Friday workout. We, oh yeah. We I know a lot of people that just do twenty k just cause. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a few so. on there that I see the meters and I'm like I, I can't even. I, I I look at it several times. Is that right? He just did another <laughs> marathon. Why? You get a lot of volume in. I do, and, and you do a lot of. Now I do. You do a fair amount of, of strength work too. Like mm-hmm. when, now this is just me looking at your, your feed and your story. You know, I feel like you, you almost you train how I think feel like if I could I would mm-hmm. I would train that same way where I feel like you try and fit some strength work in when you have a chance. Right, right. Is that true? Yeah, I I do. I'm not going to neglect the row. I'm going to get the row in, and then I have, I'm following a, a new not new to me but new committed newly committed to a west side conjugate program so i have you know four days where i must get in i used to do a ton of lifting but now i realize that if i do too much lifting that pulls me away from my longer pieces on the on the row and i i need to get the row in because it's such a precision thing like i need to stay familiar and close to it when did when did that shift happen for you? Like I've I've heard you talk about um, going down to Jim Jones mm-hmm. and having that. Probably was that your like your first two K experience? That might have been my second two K experience. Okay. And I said, you know, this is no problem. I can break sub six fifty, no problem. And I don't know why I thought that. It was just arrogant because I, I, I think I pulled. A six forty eight, a six forty eight eight. Oh no, six forty nine eight, six forty nine eight. At Jim, like at that, at that. Oh yeah, I sat there for twenty minutes, and I thought I was gonna have to go to the hospital. And 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 true story, I think I pulled a rate of fifty five. I'm not kidding. What? I'm not kidding at all. Like they were filming on the rower. Yeah, they were filming the screen. I still have the screen, and I'll shoot it to you when we're done. And I'll and the Jim Jones instructors were, they were recording the screen because they couldn't believe it. There was no technique; it was all upper body. There was no legs, and I thought I was going to go to the hospital. It was wow. it was brutal, brutal. You've come a, you've come a very long way, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, help with uh, your help and Rob's help and uh, and a lot of great people out there, and. Uh, now I'm getting uh, some of the we have a, we have a rowing team that's in one of our facilities and they're all incredible people and 
They've been, helped me so much. Christine Cavallo, she's been a huge help to me. Just really nice people. Yeah, she. Yeah, she seems like a. No, she's a she's a warrior. They're all warriors. They're all warriors. So Justin, I know you've had it. I've had you on the phone a long time, and and I'm and I can't thank you enough. I just one last thing here, and then I want you to plug some sure. of your stuff. Justin, someone's get, gonna get into rowing. Give them some advice because everyone you know wants to attack it full bore. There's a lot going on there, and and I, I don't think a lot of people understand. There's so many parts to being a precision rower, and I'm maybe two years into it, and I still feel like I'm an amateur, and I know I'm an amateur, but I, like, give some, give the audience some advice if they want to get into rowing. Well, I think, yeah, and really any of the, any of the machines, um, the, obviously the bike's the easiest, because there's not much technique involved, you know, but rowing and skiing are unique in that, um, you have to you have to move well, you know. I, the biggest thing, like if I had someone who was brand new, I'm just trying to think of people I work with, like other teachers that, you know, we have rowers at our school now and they want to use them. The, the biggest thing I want them to do is get on and, and just start moving well. If you can move well and you kind of enjoy what you're doing, like if it's fun, if you start to show them um, – you know, this is how fast you're going. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look, you're going faster now. Um, and they kind of get that bite, like, oh, this is this is feedback. I know how I'm doing. Um, you know what's interesting? The biggest, um, probably the, the, the coolest thing that got the kids I teach into rowing is the fish game. Simply what's that? Because, yeah, tell me what that is. Well, the fish game's on the monitor. If you go to the main menu, you go to games, there's darts, there's a fish game, there's a few other things. Um, fish game is just this four-minute game. It's like a little video game on the on the monitor where you, how hard you row moves this little fish up and down, and you basically try and eat these other fish and avoid this giant black fish that's trying to, trying to kill you. I didn't even know that existed. Um, it, takes, it takes points away, so you get points for eating these fish. So it's, it's like four minutes of random intervals where you're moving this thing up and down. But you get points. So kids are like, ooh, points, leaderboard. And put the, so we played a fish game one day and put the points up. And there's kids that, you know, don't like to move, don't even change hardly for Vizette, wear jeans half the time, all of a sudden want to go four or five times because they're trying to win. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they're sort of bit by this. But it's got to it's gotta be fun. Like you can't force people to do things they don't enjoy. Right. Right. So if, if someone's coming to me who's never been on a rower or never been on the ski, tangible targets, you know, things that they can shoot for, maybe showing them scores from other people, showing them the logbook, giving them a reason to, to try and get into it. I think that's really important. Like you need you need a reason to do it. Right, and it's got to be something you like. If you didn't enjoy rowing, you wouldn't go. You right, do it. right, right, right. Right, but you've you've been at it long enough where you see value in the pursuit of it. And I don't know. I feel like if someone at least has an interest in it, starting to show them distances and getting them to chase certain numbers or set goals for themselves that are you know pretty easy to attain, 
gets them into it. Yeah, no right? doubt. It gets them started. It gets them motivated. Absolutely. Because the numbers itself for me, like, and, and it might just be be my personality, just hitting certain times or hitting certain splits, like I find a lot of satisfaction in that. I know a lot of people like to go for perfect screens, and it's the OCD in people, like, oh, oh yeah. you want to see one feet across the board. There's something satisfying about having a nice, consistent session where you see those numbers on the screen after you're like, yeah, nailed it. That was good. Well, was I'm, I'm trying. I know you don't think I'm trying to be consistent, but I am. I like to see those 20s across the board. Yeah. Um, so whether it's that or whether it's, you know, improving a time, it's really important for people to find something that they find joy in, find enjoyment with on these machines. Because just if you took the monitor away, would you do it? Probably not. Like if this if this was a spin bike without any feedback, that'd be awful. Oh, exactly. There'd be no point. That's why I hate spin bikes. That's why I love <laughs> yeah. the biker. Right. Because you have that, you have feedback, you have purpose all of a sudden. And let's be honest, like I was a uh, you know suffering trying to you know the screen's so easy right but at the beginning you know it's a little intimidating the first few weeks and that screen it's a wonderful screen because it's pretty simple it's easy I love it it is is. no it's not flashy it's very straightforward it's it's uh you can't hide it doesn't lie it It doesn't lie exactly so it tells the truth every day okay sweet um, so I know we'll, we'll have to have you on again. We'll talk more ski erg stuff. Cause that's a whole different, uh, completely different sport that crushes my soul every time. Um, I, yeah, probably out of the two, it's, it's the one I, I prefer. I was going to ask you that question Funny, before I, we got off. I was going to put you on the spot. I feel like I, I feel like I row more during the week, but I look forward to those to those ski sessions. Hmm. That's interesting. And I feel like I, I row more because there's currently more reason to. Like when you think of um, online stuff, the only competitions I do are, are stuff that's virtual, right? Right. And there's, I feel like there's, there's less on the skier side of things currently than there is on the indoor rowing side. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, if, if that changed, then maybe maybe I would split my time more. Right. Yeah, I guess the other reason I don't ski as much is the baby monitor doesn't, like, the signal doesn't reach all the way to that end of the garage. No, that's funny. So that, that might be the reason why, too. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah totally but- different. Listen, I, I, I can't thank you enough. I know how busy you are being a dad and uh, husband and, and running this online community and being a teacher. So kudos for just keeping that together because that's amazing. Um, thank you. Really, th- thank you. And thank you for being so supportive. And uh, I want everyone to know that Justin, um, he was just being a, a kind human being and letting me know a tip here and there because he's a positive ambassador for the rowing sport and the skier community and um he's given me tons of help and it's greatly appreciated thank you very much i really appreciate it oh you're very welcome and yeah. again like it's a cool community in that regard where i feel like most people are like that 
Like I know, and maybe it's just the people we interact with, but you've always been a big support. Guys like Rob's been a big support. Um, you know, the, the group we have online with our members. Yeah, good people. Through Garage Athlete, they're all very supportive of each other. And, um, it, You know, we're all training alone for the most part. Oh, yeah. Right? We're all kind of in our garage or in your space by yourself, but having that that little bit of connection with people where they're all doing the same thing and you're kind of all going through it together, I think makes it very much worth it, worth the time, worth the effort. For sure, for sure. So let's let's plug, where can people find you online and, and let them know how to uh, to get in touch with you, Justin? Sure. Um, I got, I was fortunate to get at Garage Athlete as a handle many years ago on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Um, that's a big find you that so, might that might uh take care of your retirement selling in that back <laughs> that'd be nice um and then uh garageathletefitness.com is the website and obviously there's links to to stuff there awesome awesome well justin thank you so much i really appreciate uh your time and your in your help and um Listen, best of the family, and we'll have you back on again soon uh, when you have a free second, when the kids are taking naps. That would be great. I'd love to talk. Okay, my friend. That'd be awesome. You're the best. I appreciate it. Have a positive week, my friend. All right, Mark. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.